0: Fresh off the NBA All-Star break, going into the second half of the season, or the second third of the season, if you want to call it that. It is February 23rd, the first day of the NBA, going into the second half of the season, as we have some incredible matchups set for Thursday night. I'm proud to be back here on Keeping It at 94, first time in a few weeks, as our friend Brian Fritz is on the mend. He went across the country. He's going to end up in Chicago this weekend for a concert. He's been all over the place, but he's back, as am I, on Keep It at 94, courtesy of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. Cannot wait to talk about everything coming up here in the association and uh, some new stuff, a lot of new stuff. We didn't really get into the trade deadline. We did that as a team for Basketball News on a live stream, but we haven't talked about some of these, these newly shaped rosters via the buyout market, via the trade deadline. Uh, we've got some moving pieces, parts. We've got some coaching news. Uh, it, there's There's been all sorts of things that have happened over the break, and I'm sure we're going to get into all of them. But first and foremost, most importantly, Brian, how you doing?
1: I'm doing well, and it's great to finally be talking with you again. It's been a little while, like you said, because, you know, we didn't do the podcast at the trade deadline. We covered it as a site. And then we had the, uh, the All-Star break, and I was under the weather a little bit, and now we're finally back. We get to talk about hoops. It feels like it's been forever since we've had meaningful basketball. I mean, normally when you have like the All-Star break, it doesn't feel too long. But for whatever reason this time, it feels like it's been you know forever since we've had real NBA basketball.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, because definitely, if if you read my column on basketballs.com, whatever the All-Star game was, was not that. And uh, Jalen Brown even agrees with me on that one. Michael Malone even agrees with me on that one. Uh, we're not going to go on a rant about the All-Star game, um, but it just definitely didn't feel as it has in years past. So I agree with you. There hasn't really been some truly competitive basketball eh, for about a week which is about right because the All-Star break started, um, you know, last Friday. So it um, makes a lot of sense. First thing I wanted to get into, uh, there was some news that dropped this morning um, and really even yesterday when uh, Landry Fields talked about it, Hawks general manager. Uh, Sham Charania reported this morning that uh, Atlanta's begun formal discussions with Quinn Snyder. And uh, just as some background for those who don't know, the Hawks fired Coach Nate McMillan uh, a couple days ago. And so uh, this process to begin the search has already started. Uh, names like Ime Odoka are in the mix, Charles Lee. In the interim, Joe Prunty's taken over. But it appears that Quinn Snyder's the the main target. Landry Fields even mentioned him by name on Wednesday. And the report by Shams this morning pretty much just says, okay, the Hawks are really going after the former Utah Jazz head coach.
1: It's amazing to me that we're going through a process again where a team not only got rid of a coach, but normally you wait till the end of the season before you really uh, think about hiring a new coach. Maybe you put some names together, but you don't make a change until you know after the season. But in this case, it sure seems like the Hawks want to get somebody in there as soon as possible. You typically do not see this in the NBA. It's very rare. We saw it with Minnesota. When was that, you know, when, when was their last coaching change? When did that happen?
0: It was, was it was two um, seasons ago, Ryan Saunders. It was Ryan Saunders uh, getting replaced by Chris Finch. And that was midseason. That was, I believe three years ago, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah. But I mean, th- there's not many cases where you see that. And when, when you saw the Hawks say, oh, we're going to begin our search. It was like, we're, we're looking for a search to get somebody in here right now. And right. you know, when it comes to Nate McMillan, It sure seemed like he was on borrowed time. There was a lot of question marks about whether he was going to last. It seemed like his relationship with Trey Young was not that great, at least from Trey's perspective, that there was definitely some disagreements about how he was used, how some of the team was being used. There's high expectations going into this year that they were not beating. You know, They're a 500 team. And they made the change now. I don't think anybody's really – Necessarily so that Nate didn't make it the entire season. Maybe the timing of it was a little surprising, but you know, they, they've changed over their front office, the Landry Fields coming in there and whatnot. So I guess that shouldn't really be surprising. But the big question that I would also say in all this is Trey Young is starting to get a reputation and you better know what you're going to get into if you're going to coach him, because there's already a sentiment around the league of some players that do not want to play with him. And you wonder now with Nate you know being out they already you know had another head coach before that you know go out so what is the reputation for Trey Young and how many people want to be around because Quinn's a great coach and everybody knew that Quinn was going to be a hot name once he left Utah it wasn't going to be too long before he would coach again It wasn't a matter of if but when what opportunity you want to take advantage of it sounds like if he wants this Hawks job he can have it he can get in there right now but there's a lot of questions going into this job I think
0: yeah, and you know, t- to Trey's defense, uh, I'm I've never been one for the moniker of you know a coach killer, um, because you you know there's situations where you don't really have significant evidence, um, the Lloyd Pierce thing didn't end exactly the the best way, we know that, um, I'm interested to see what comes out of this McMillan thing because the Nate McMillan stuff is interesting to me because. Believe it or not, Brian, we've done a podcast before talking about how good of a coach Nate McMillan is, but for some reason, after the interim and after the first year that he took over and got a new contract, things change. It happened in Indiana. We did this podcast before, Brian. This is deja vu for us all over again. This happened with the Pacers. And then he ends up in Atlanta as an assistant to Lloyd Pierce, Lloyd Pierce ends up in Indiana under Rick Carlisle now. And now Nate McMillan is in the Lloyd Pierce head seat in Atlanta. And then he gets, you know, the boot. So what's going on with Nate? I don't know what it is. Uh, I feel like John Collins kind of helped a little bit with some insight. Um, Not everyone shares the same opinion as as John does uh, in that Hawks, you know, locker room. Uh, like DeJounte Murray said, that it wasn't on Nate and that they all have to look in the mirror. Um, Clint Capella said the same thing. They got to look for consistency. But John Collins was the one that came out and said that maybe that Nate's leadership style um, wasn't exactly fit for the, the youth that Atlanta has and that there were some differences in the way um, his expectations were compared to what the players' expectations were. So those are John Collins' words. Um, so who knows? And Nate's I-
1: definitely a little bit of a throwback coach when it comes to yeah, his approach, his mentality, and different things like that. And remember too, and not to make excuses, but this is a Hawks team that over the last couple of years has definitely undergone some major changes to its roster, including this past year, kind of changing the way of just having the ball go through Trey Young all the time where he still has the ball up, but they added DeJounte Murray. They made a the big change there. You know, Kevin Herter is not on the team anymore. Um, they, they've they've made some major changes to this team over the last couple of years, and they've gone through some coaching changes. So it's there is a lot that they've gone through. And to try to get like a semblance of normalcy and stability, it, It hasn't been there, and that that can be very tough, especially with a team that has expectations.
0: Yeah, and you know, I think that's ultimately where it lies because my guess is that Nate expected this team to be that Eastern Conference threat the way they were just two years ago. They were in the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago. Like, that isn't a long time at all. And how quickly things can change in this league if something doesn't go right one way or another. I think that's a prime example of it. Quinn Snyder, uh, uh, you know, his potential replacement. I think that, you know, he is uh, one of the most cerebral minds in basketball. I think that he can connect to players. Donovan Mitchell talks up and down about that guy all the time in Cleveland when I ask him about his development. So he's going to be really good for this Atlanta team if he signs the dotted line, if Landry Fields and himself and his camp decide that that's the right fit but it's just wild to me, man. Like Nate gets, you know, gets, gets the hook again after he was able to connect to those players so well in the interim, just like he was able to connect to those players so well in in Indiana. And then one thing happens and there's just a gradual decline and then he's gone. I I do, I really want to know what it is. It's such an interesting coaching arc. I, I, I wasn't really aware of what was happening, you know, back early, early when he was coaching the Blazers. But I wonder, you know, if that had a similar effect too. I, I have no idea. But his it's, his coaching career arc is very, very unique.
1: It is. And I think it's one of those situations you have to look at and wonder, like, is he one of these guys that when you have, when you make a change, and you want a different voice and you want to disrupt some things, you bring in Nate because there's a certain amount of respect that comes to them. He's been in the game for a long time between being a player and being a coach, but it's also one of those things that maybe can be grading on players after a while to where it kind of in one year out the other. It's, it's not something that can be sustained long-term with players for whatever reason. I'm not saying that's necessarily it, but it, it feels one like of the best in the,
0: like acting interim head coaches ever. Like that's right, the funny but that's part. The thing.
1: But you wonder, like, is this a message that only works in the short term when you're making a change? But in the long term, it's it's just not lasting. And then now, too, you know, they're gonna make a coaching change, whether it's Quinn Snyder or Charles Lee, who's been mentioned the Bucks assistant, or Kenny Atkinson, or even Amy Odoku. This person's gonna have to come in there in, you know, with 20 22 games, 23 games left in the season. And I don't know how many changes they can make at this point. I don't know, I mean there's going to be certain little tweaks around the edges and what but there's only so much you could do at this point in the season. And this is a coach that's going to have to come in there and the team's going to be like, "We still expect to get into the playoffs." And and hopefully, you know, do a little something there. So they're a game under pressure. 500
0: currently in 8th for for right. those listening just to so know. So they're
1: they're in play-in right now, and I'm sure that they're like, let's see if we can try to get it to up to the six. Cause then you're in the playoffs. I mean, that's that's gotta be the goal is let's at least get into the playoffs. Even if it's via the play-in, but everybody wants to at least get to that six. But I don't know how much can really be done or change in this short period of time when you're coming in at this point in the season, and now you've got this important stretch run where every game matters, and you wanna you know, put your fingerprints all over the team. You want to make some changes.
0: This is going to be the best part of the second half of the year. There are so many people still in it. There are so many teams that are within grasp of the postseason, even if it's the play-in. Like, there are all but four teams eliminated from this thing. And I I actually just did an article about that on basketballnews.com about the general parity of the league and reasons as to why that's the case. and you know, just reactions to the most competitive season in four decades, according to a chart from last month. Like, that's incredible. And now, as I mentioned in the intro, we've got buyout additions. We've got roster changes via the trades. So, you know, it could go anywhere. And I think Atlanta understands that it's still for the taking. And maybe that's why they made the move at this moment to try and salvage it and build towards something next year.
1: Well, I think the whole thing was they knew Nate was not going to be back. And it sure felt like, you know, with new people taking over the front office, their vision, the team underperforming in their eyes, and maybe some players saying, hey, something else has got to change here. The easiest thing to change is always going to be the head coach. It's always going to be. And there had already been a lot of rumors about whether Nate was going to last the season. So like I said, let's let's make the change now. Let's see what we can do during this stretch run of the season. And then, you know, we can at least get an idea what this coach wants to do. And we can also have this person in place going into the off season when it comes to the draft, when it comes to free agency moves, trades, all these different things. And we can all work together and have this in place right now rather than wait longer.
0: Agreed. Agreed. All right. So which buyout situation do you want to talk about first? Because there are a lot of them. There were a ton of things that happened over the course of the last week. And, you know, some are surprising, some not so much. But uh, I feel like we can hit on each of these and kind of give our thoughts on the, the change of jerseys.
1: I think the Kevin Love situation is the most interesting because, you know, going in uh, to the buyout season or even to the trade deadline, there were some people wondering because Kevin had fallen out of the rotation. Like, is he going to still be in Cleveland? And I think a lot of people thought, well, of course he is. You know, when he's such a, a trusted veteran voice in that locker room. It's good to have him there, even if he's not playing, but you'll be able to answer this better. But something happened along the lines where the two sides felt like it's time to go. Kevin's going to get playing time somewhere else. He's not going to get playing time here. And it's odd to see somebody of that stature, even though he wasn't playing that great with the Cavs, that they would not only buy him out, but let him go wherever he wanted, and he's going to another team that Cleveland is contending with in their own conference. To me, that, that's, that stands out so much. It's so interesting. You, you typically do not see that.
0: No, you don't. And, you know, in addition to that, Brian, like they needed a, a big man still. They needed somebody who could stretch the floor and shoot and most importantly, bring an element into the postseason, right? You know, they, they'd strengthened themselves when they brought in Danny Green, right? So then you have, you know, multiple veterans going into the playoffs that know what they're talking about, know what they're doing, but here they're just, they they honestly, they created a hole that wasn't necessary to create now. You can understand the reasoning behind it because of the rotational thing, right? Kevin Love's, you know, downfall, so to speak, with the Cavs this season, came coinciding with Dean Wade's return and how Dean Wade played, particularly on the defensive end, right? And he's a guy that can knock down standstill shots. Um, he can put it on the floor a little bit. He's more athletic. He's younger, um, able to kind of defend Honestly, he can defend one through four, in my opinion. But at the same time, it goes back to that playoff experience. It goes back to the camaraderie in the locker room. So something must have been amiss. So Kevin, he missed a few games after trying to come back from this thumb injury that had absolutely plummeted his shooting. He was below like 30% or something like that since the injury happened. And that was in late November, I believe. Um, so that if you're not playing defense, the way that this team needs to play defense, if you're falling asleep off ball, if you're not getting back in transition, then yeah, you know, they're, they're justified in not playing you, especially when someone else is doing that. Right. Simultaneously, again, you're creating a a hole at the four that you didn't need to create. Now you have an open roster spot and figure out what you want to do with that, if you want to promote someone from the G League, if you want to convert a two-way contract, whatever it may be. But what they were thinking, I'm not sure. It, it had to be something behind the scenes. I I have been speculating uh, the last couple of days, especially after talking to JB Bickerstaff yesterday and the players. We, we just first started talking to the players yesterday since the practices after All-Star break. Donovan Mitchell reached out. He heard back. You know, said wished him luck. Um, Darius Garland's posting about him on Instagram. Jared Allen actually had a really funny quote this morning. (laughs) He thought he was leaving for milk and cigarettes and he never came back. (laughs) But uh, J.B. Bickerstaff, this thing actually pretty much stuck out to me. J.B. Bickerstaff was asked if he reached out to Kevin or if he talked to Kevin. He's like, yeah, I, I reached out. He's like, have you talked to him though? He's like, no. So that might leave you to believe that Kevin's got some issues with the coaching staff, his issues with, some, with the management, whatever it may be, upper management. Um, and maybe they were fearful that Kevin's attitude would seep into the locker room. He's been a consummate professional. He's been a great teammate, uh, especially over the last couple of years for buying into the role that he's played. But maybe there was just that thought in the back of their mind, we've got something so good going on right now we don't want someone who's not a part of the on-court rotation to have another instance where the locker room could split, and maybe that's not fair on Kevin, but Kevin does have a track record. Let's be frank; he's had on-court blowups before. He's had you know situations uh, in the locker room where he hasn't you know exactly been you know teammate of the year. And that's like that's that's understandable. Look at the teams that the Cavs fielded after LeBron left; they were very, very not good. <laughs> they had two-way guys starting. They had ten-day contract guys starting in some of those teams from 2018 to 2020. But he was able to also step to the side, um, you know, for for Colin Sexton, for Darius Garland, for Kevin Porter Jr. at the time. Um, he has a very complicated tenure in Cleveland because he's a champion. He had the biggest stop in, in Cavs history against Steph Curry. He's going to have his jersey retired. It's a really, really, it's an interesting career arc with the Cavs uh, if you look at the, the stuff as a whole. However, Cavs wanted to do him right because they knew he wasn't going to play. So what they do, they, they accepted his terms. Of a buyout. And who needed him? Miami. Miami needed someone that could shoot. Play next to, to Bam. Space the floor for him. Space the floor for Jimmy. Maybe play backup five here and there. If Orlando Robinson isn't doing it. You know it's a great move for Miami. Now do I think that Kevin Love is. The Kevin Love the name. that The, the stature that he carries. Not from what I've seen this year. However. There's always a way that you can kind of find it again, right? He used the motivation from the Team USA comments by Jerry Colangelo a couple summers ago and had his best season as a Cav since the championship years. He was a six-man-of-the-year six candidate. He was tremendous. This year, he started out great, and then he had an unfortunate, unth- unfortunate thumb injury, kind of turned everything upside down, ends up going down to Miami, They need someone who can shoot. They need someone who can rebound for sure because they're 27th in the league in boards. He's going to get that job done. Whether he makes the shots or not, he's going to play a good role on that team. I'm interested to see what happens in that zone, whether he can play the defense demanded by that zone the way that uh, Miami kind of inputs it. But the Cavs just wanted to do right by him. I think they did it. Was it foolish? Probably. There's a, there's absolutely a chance where Kevin Love can light you up in the postseason and the Cavs are facing the heat, whether it's a 3-6 matchup or a 4-5 matchup. Hopefully not a 5-4 matchup. Cavs are trying to hold on to that top four so they have home court in the playoffs. But I just also don't think this version of Kevin Love is the, the stature of what they lost.
1: I don't think they were too worried about losing him. I mean, I... It, that being said, it wasn't like they were wanting him to leave, but because there was some kind of disconnect, there was something going on, and they knew he had fallen out of the rotation. Like you said, they wanted to do him right. And and that goes a long way when it comes to not only players, but also with agents, for teams having a reputation around the league, You know, knowing that they will at least do that. And this is a unique situation in that they're letting somebody go that, I think a lot of people think could still contribute. It's just, we have to see what Kevin love Miami is getting. Like you said, because even if his thumb's feeling better, even if he can hit some shots, even if he can rebound, you know, if he's not playing good enough defense on a Miami team, he's not going to play. It's a minimal risk for Miami because he comes in there and he's just making, you know, a minor amount of money. And if he doesn't work out, they won't play him if it's you know, or they'll cut him or or whatever. I mean, it's like I said, it's a little risk to them. They needed to find a solution. Kevin Love's available. Let's try it out.
0: And that, they've that's started. It you looks know, like for Heat, they've started Caleb Martin, you know, at the, the at the four this entire time, and he's done an, you know an admirable job. But like, they just want someone with a little bit more consistency on the the offensive end. Um, again, get some rebounds. That's that's big time. I'm curious though because. Kevin's had to change the trajectory of his shot since his thumb injury. I don't know if a lot of people know that. So that's why some of those percentages were down because the thumb injury forced him to change his release. So we'll see if that is back to his regular arc and his regular mechanics. He's going to get you re- rebounds. Like the Heat are going to improve as a rebounding team because of this guy. He is just, he's been a monster his entire career on that. Um,
1: it's just whether or not he can play decent enough defense to offset what he can do on the other end of the court or is he at least a good enough shooter that will offset some of the defensive issues that and that's
0: why and that's why he lost out in Cleveland and and, yes and there's the lack of you know the lateral movements were not there falling asleep in the half court getting beat back door you know uh, if there's a missed shot not hustling all the way down in the fast break situation to try and help your teammates out that are left out in an island. You know, like, those situations are where he needs to improve. And, uh, you know, he's done that before. He's going to be motivated. I'm interested to see how it works. But you have a lot of defensive cover on Miami because you know the types of teams Eric Spolstra puts out there. Bam Adebayo, a Defensive Player of the Year candidate every year. Jimmy Butler... One of the best in the business. We'll see if it if it masks, you know, Kevin's deficiencies. But, yeah, really interesting move. And uh, from the Cavs' perspective, depending on Dean Wade in the playoffs, that's risky at that situation. But they did, again, go out and get Danny Green, who has plenty of playoff experience, is a three-time champion, can still move the feet a little bit. We know he can shoot the ball. He's a career 40% percent 3 three-point shooter. He is absolutely a veteran that you wanted to bring in. So maybe maybe they did that knowing that they needed some backup plan uh, for, for their postseason experience guy. And again, they have an open roster spot. We'll see what they do with it.
1: Yeah, and and I think bringing Danny Green in there was definitely a positive move. He was something Memphis did not want to miss out on, but, you know, they had to move him as part of the trade that they did to get Luke Kennard. So... You know, Danny, you know, has missed all season because of a knee injury, but he said he's felt good. It looks, I think he's going to be fine. I mean, he's looked fine so far. He, he's not going to be a hundred percent until maybe the end of the season, but he's going to get playing time and he'll work his way into shape and get that movement back and everything looked good so far. So I think that's a positive signing for the Cavs.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Anybody else? We had some news yesterday. Patrick Beverly going to the Chicago Bulls, look out.
1: What a choice that is, because it sounds like he had a choice between the Bulls and the Golden State Warriors. And he went with the Bulls. He wanted to go and, home. Like, he wanted to go home, Well, there was also, I think, an opportunity for more playing time there. And How, though? Because had, they
0: have Io. They have, I mean, I know they, that he doesn't really play, but they have Goron. Dalen Terry's played a few minutes here the last you know, couple games. It's just interesting to me that that was, it, it, I can understand it from the Bulls perspective of trying to get a, get your ass on the floor and play as hard as you can type of guy. Zach Levine even talked about that easier. He's the, the teammate he's always wanted because you know, if he's not on your team, you hate him. If he's on your team, you love him, you know?
1: Right. So and, that, and then
0: that makes sense. But
1: Pat's already said he's going to ride Zach Levine's ass too. Um, so you know, I mean, Pat's a veteran, he's been around. I think I think he'll get more playing time than maybe you expect, but you know, they he's been circling that team for years about going there and you know, he's got a relationship with the coaching staff and it sounds like he relished the you know, the idea of trying to help them get into the playoffs. I mean, hey, going to the Warriors, I mean, I don't know how much playing time he would have gotten there. He would have gotten some. Um and he he could have helped them, but I think he feels like he'll get a better opportunity with the Bulls right now. So they need point guard help. Now, you can question Pat Bev when it comes to his point guard skills at this, you know, time of his career. But, you know, as the season has gone on, he played a lot better with the Lakers. Like at the beginning of the season, he could not shoot to save his life. But over the last month and a half, two months, his shooting has definitely come around. And that's what you need from Pat. He needs to play defense. And he needs to hit threes. And he was doing that before he got traded. So theoretically, you think he would help.
0: I wonder what their plan is with Goron if he actually stays around or if they waive him.
1: I don't know. I don't know.
0: You have to do it by March 1st. Remember that.
1: Yes, if you want to be playoff eligible. Yeah. So Mm. um, I think the Clippers are an interesting one with all the moves that they made because look at the moves they made before the trade deadline because they get Mason Plumley, really good. Backup center. So we get that. They lose some shooting in Luke Kennard, but they get Eric Gordon. So you get some, they get it right defense. back with Eric
0: Gordon, baby. Yeah.
1: You know, you get some back, you know, plus you get some perimeter defense and everything. I think it comes with that. They, hey, they don't go get bones. Boots. I was going to say they get bones. Highland and bones, a young guy, offensive weapon could really heat up. Wasn't get along with the nuggets coaching staff. It sounds like with Michael Malone. So they move him out And he's probably sitting there thinking, man, I'm going to get some good playing time behind Terrence Mann, whatnot. And then the Clippers go out and they get Russell Westbrook on the buyout market. And with everything that they have said, it sounds like Russ is going to come off the bench to begin, but they plan on him starting. Tell me if you've heard this line before. This came from Todd Lou. We're going to let Russ be Russ. That is the same quote you hear everywhere he goes. and. If you're Bones Highland, you have to be sitting there going, wait, what just happened, man? I thought I was going to get all this playing time, I and mean, maybe he still will somehow, but I, I don't know where the minutes are going to come from if they've got this big role carved out for Russell Westbrook.
0: Especially with Terrence Mann, who's been playing really well lately, too. You, you'd feel like they would trust Terrence over over Bones, who just came in, you know? Uh, it also well, was, too, that that Lawrence Frank in his press conference, was asked about Bones in his playing time. He's like, well, look, we made that move for the short and the long term. So maybe that's a little clue into what's going to happen there with that, especially because there's a lot of vets on this Clippers team now. There are a ton of veterans on this Clippers team now that are you know keeping the, themselves primed to, to go really far in this postseason.
1: Well, the other thing is, too, that I find interesting is that This is a team that had been playing well. I think they've won 10 of their last 14. And Terrence Mann has played very well. You know, I mean, he's not a traditional point guard. They don't really have a traditional point guard, but the team has been playing well with him in the lineup. And that also coincides with Kawhi Leonard coming back and, you know, returning to form. Paul George has been healthier as of late as well. So that all helps. But now they're bringing in Russell Westbrook, and it sounds like they want to start him. I'm like, yeah, yeah, Why would you do this? And and here's the thing. It's nothing against Russ from the standpoint of Russ is going to get his stats. He's going to get some numbers. He's going to do some positive things for him, for that team. He's going to get some triple doubles. He's going to you know, have some exciting things that happen. But I don't know if he's a guy that you can necessarily trust down the stretch of games and closing minutes. I don't know what they can do for him in the postseason as well because bottom line is, he still is not a good shooter and he still gets lost on defense. There will be moments where Russ is locked in. And especially when he first comes in there, he is going to be locked in defensively, but that is going to go away. It happens everywhere he goes where he gets lost on defense. And that's why teams get so frustrated with him so quickly is because those are the things they need. Yes. He's going to get those numbers. He's going to get triple doubles. He's still an elite passer. he, can get to the rim. He doesn't finish at the rim as well as he once did, but he can still do that. But, you know, he takes bad shots at the wrong times. He gets lost on defense. He's not a consistent three-point shooter to where it screws up your spacing. So all these things are going to be in play. Let's see how it works with the Clippers. They've got a lot of shooting, and they've got a lot of other pieces around them, but we'll see what his fit is like there. And does he actually tweak his game even more, is it in him? I, I don't think it is just because that's his DNA. That's the way he's always played. I mean, what he did for the Lakers, even coming off the bench this season, was a massive, massive sacrifice. It's just there were frustrations growing as the season went on and where that team was at to where it came to a boiling point where he needed to go. Plus, they needed to move his contract for moves in the future for trying to balance this team. That's a whole other story. But his fit on the court just was not there with that team.
0: Yeah, uh, Ty, like you said, saying let Russ be Russ, I think what they're going to try and do is bring the playmaker out in him the most, right? Um, We know that Kawhi has been on a tear, a tear the last month, like looking like Cyborg Kawhi. He wasn't having a good game uh, the last one before the All-Star break, whoop de doo but he otherwise has... Been on his P's and Q's as a, a penetrator, as a mid-range assassin, uh, defensively just making the most plays. PG, we know his relationship with Russ, right? And they had some good games together in OKC that season. Remember that. Like, PG, PG and Russ did some things. Uh, I don't know if you recall the, <laughs> the, the Carmelo uh, big three portion of it. But PG and Russ, don't forget in those those couple of seasons in OKC, they did some good. So
1: they did, but here's the thing: is there enough shooting around him to offset his lack of shooting? Because you put him on the floor with Zubots, there's two guys that cannot shoot. You put him on the floor with Mason Plumley, there's Zubats two guys that cannot kinda, shoot.
0: I mean, Zubots kind of has that like body though that like Steven Adams did. And Steven Adams and Russ worked out, right? And Zoo is a you know a pick and roll type of guy who's going to do the dirty he is, work. is, but get your rebound. But you know
1: they've got some a little bit of shooting on that team still. But you know their best shooter was Luke Kennard. You know he's gone now. He's in Memphis, so that's yeah, going to be the question him with Eric is, Gordon, right? But like, let's see how this can offset. Is there enough shooting to offset some of this stuff? Because otherwise, it could screw up the spacing. Now with the Lakers, there was no other shooting.
0: That's so what it, was, it really, that's exactly my you know,
1: point, that, that, that was a total mess. That was a total mess. There's more shooting with the Clippers. The funny thing now is the Lakers might have enough shooting where they could handle Russell Westbrook. It's just to get that shooting. 100%. They had to trade Russ, you know, they did. So they did. That, that's the irony with that whole situation. So, um, but uh, you know, I, I'll, I'm interested in seeing where he, where he fits, you know, and it's a fresh start for him again. I, what is this like the, Fourteen in six years for
0: us, something like that. Yeah, so it's, it's wild, man. It's crazy to see it like this. However, like, did you see how how happy he was at that press conference? though so it looked like they, they they didn't wait lift a weight off his shoulders, man. It looked like they waited lifted the world off his shoulders, the way that he was smiling and geeking and and just knowing that he didn't have to leave his hometown where his kids are going to school, where his family is, um, be with a different organization, but still be in LA. I feel like that means a lot to him. I feel like that's going to help him focus. feel like he's not going to have, you know, that back of the mind thought of, Oh man, I got to pack my stuff up and go somewhere else. He's there still. He's there still. And he's there with a familiar friend in Paul George, which I think PG, if you listen to the last two weeks since Russ got traded to the jazz, he's been talking about, Oh, I mean, Russ would be great. Oh, we, we'd love Russ here. Like, multiple times to the media, PG said that. So he got his oh, wish. Yeah. Absolutely. Got his wish. And, 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 and I, I will think, say too, uh, sorry, I, I will say too, Ty Lue knows how to coach vets. He's probably one of the best vet coaches in the entire NBA. He knows how to connect to these even older guys because he's been in their shoes. Oh, yeah. So And, and the thing is too, he, he, that's more of a team I, he's meant to coach.
1: I think it is a big deal that he gets to say in Los Angeles. He gets to be part of a contender. You know, Russ threw this whole thing out there, too, about it's nice to be somewhere where you're wanted. And that can go in a lot of different directions <laughs> where that is pointed at. Because remember, if you go back to the offseason, even at the end of last season, there was a whole thing about, like, did LeBron and AD let Russ be Russ? Did he let you cook? And he was like, ah, you know, he... He kind of pushed back on that pretty quick. And, you know, there had to be this whole reconciliation during the offseason between those three players. You know, Darvin Ham comes in there as the new head coach. And he bends over backwards and talks to Russ and, and convinces him that he should come off the bench and embrace this role. But there was problems that were brewing there. You heard more and more stories about Russ. Russ was getting in arguments with the coaching staff. He definitely did with Phil Handy a couple of times when the assistants. Undeniable, But then. Yeah. You, in his last game, he got into a massive argument with Darvin Ham where he was slacking coming off the court. And then apparently, you know, during halftime, they got into it pretty good, you know, before uh, they came back out to the court. So, And those were problems that were just brewing as the season went on because Rusto wasn't happy with the role. He wasn't happy with the team. You know, there was a lot of people, not on the team necessarily, but I think a lot of people, like fans and stuff, or or even just people watching the NBA that were pointing fingers at him. So a lot of it was going his way. He could feel it and just a lot of different things that came to a bubbling point and it was time for him to move on. So he goes someplace where Paul George is talking him up and, you know, Marcus Morris is talking him up. Ty Lou is talking him up. It sounded like the front office maybe was a little as it, but I think everybody else said, Hey, we've got this. We can handle him and he can help us. It's just, now we have to see how that works on the court.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. No, totally agree there, man. Totally agree. Uh, a couple other moves that have happened. Um, we haven't seen this guy in a little while, and for obvious reasons. But uh, Myers Leonard is going to end up with the Bucks. Um, I believe I saw that uh, Cody Zeller is also going to end up with the Heat. So um, yes. there's a couple of big men that have been on the market uh, with new teams. We have, um, you know, Jock Vaughn getting a much much deserved. Multi-year extension with the Nets, um, after you know one what he's <laughs> what he's had to to coach through what he's had to deal with, and now to have a completely different team. Mikael Bridges, uh, shout out to my guy dropping forty-five the other night um, in one of his you know first few games with the Nets. Uh, very cool to see him uh, do that, and you know everyone's really counting on seeing how how high of a, you know, quote-unquote ceiling he might have there. Um, Really cool to see that. A couple other things. Uh, Will Barton got waived by the Wizards, so he's on the open market, and Jordan Goodwin, as a result, was converted to a standard contract. The Bulls are shutting down Lonzo for the season, and apparently this this diagnosis is something that doctors have never seen before in sports for knee injuries. That's never good. That's not a good sign, man. And, and it sucks because Lonzo is such a damn good player. He, he, he might not be the you know the star, so to speak, that everybody expected him to be. But he is a damn good basketball player who is one of the best on the defensive end that we've seen in his position. Uh, one of the most heady guys uh, pushing the ball up in transition, finding teammates. And someone who redefined and rediscovered his shot. Uh, but these injuries, man, you you just, you hate to see it and you hope that this doesn't cut his career down um, even as soon as now, the way that this is, you know, being as debilitating as it is.
1: The scary thing about Lonzo is that even going back to when he was drafted by the Lakers in the few seasons he played there, he dealt with knee problems then. And every time that he had an injury, you know, they would say like, It's going to be two weeks before he comes back and it'll actually be three or four. It would always take longer for him to come back. He'd had the issues, nothing like this, but he's had knee issues for, you know, since the beginning of his career in the NBA, going back to even before then. So it's, it's, it's scary, you know, to sit there and talk about doctors can't figure it out. He's got chronic pain and we don't know what his career is going to look like going forward. Hopefully he can get back and he can play and play well, but I you know, it's tough to see where that's going to be at right now, you know, um, and hopefully they can figure it out. But it, it's a scary situation.
0: Yeah, no, no question, man. Uh, and, you know, all the best thoughts go out to, to Lonzo for that one. But uh, that that's pretty much the biggest, you know, pieces of news that we've had to this point. Um, you look at the standings. And again, I wrote about this in an article on basketball news dot com. Everybody's still in it. There are all but four teams that do not have a hope of being in the postseason. Yeah. but uh,
1: that Which is crazy, crazy to look at. But, I mean, mm-hmm. when you look at where everybody is at right now, to me, the spotlight is on one place. And that's in Phoenix. Because Kevin mm-hmm. Durant's coming in there sounds like he's going to return to the court next Wednesday on the road against Charlotte. And we'll see what the new look Phoenix Suns are going to be like because they have got Kevin Durant, one of the best players in the league joining that squad. They've given up some depth. Obviously, I think some people wonder if they've given up too much depth. I look at it as
0: Ross, by the way, I thought that I think that's going to help
1: immensely. Yeah, that, that. I think that's a very, very big pickup for them. And we could sit here and talk about depth, but you know what? You tighten up your rotations when the playoffs come. It's all about winning a championship. And to me, the biggest question on this team isn't chemistry or whatnot. It's can they stay healthy? Can Chris Paul stay sure. healthy through the postseason? Can Kevin Durant stay healthy in the postseason? Because if they can, to me, they're going to be a terror. They're not the greatest team on defense, obviously, but – I, you know, teams are going to have a hell of a time keeping up with them on offense.
0: I have one question. I have one question about this because I, I this is the, the moment this trade went down, is the first question I had to mind. We know that DeAndre Ayton wanted more touches before the, the offseason hit. And that was probably part of the discussions in free agency, right? This. This uh, this effectively makes him this makes him less than, you know, the the quote on the proverbial Chris Bosh of the big 3 with LeBron and and Dwayne, right? This makes him the fourth in the pecking order cuz you got CP3, you got Devin Booker, and you got Kevin Durant. Durant's the one that, that it's Durant's team now, no matter how much book, you know, is there. It, it goes back to the LeBron, Dwayne, Wade thing, right? But Ayton, I want to see how he buys into this role especially for the amount of money he's making, Um, he's going to have to really step in, say, I need to get these rebounds. I need to get this defensive stop. I need to make the right basketball play. If I have an open shot, I'm taking it. But that's a huge adjustment for someone in his shoes. And he is still so young, at least by NBA standards. Devin Booker's in, like, his seventh or eighth year. Chris Paul, we know how, you know, much tread is on those tires. But DeAndre, being, you know, the the fringe all-star type center who really made his money in the postseason two years ago, he's going to have to adjust to this super team expectation and not you know, kind of take away from himself and his, you know, wanted production, if that makes sense.
1: Well, I think it can always be tough for a player at this point in his career where he's not just coming into the league and he's not somebody that's been around for a long time, but he is somebody that's been in the league for some years. He's on his first big contract and somebody that's beginning his prime years. And you're asking this guy to sacrifice for the betterment of the team and somebody that was already kind of upset about his previous role. That can be a tough pill to swallow. And I don't know how they, exactly they approach that. Does Monty have to have a conversation with him? We already know about their relationship could still be a bit frayed. You know, is it, you know, Chris, is it Devin, is it KD? But they have to have a conversation with them about it because they need Aiden to play well, you know, to win. But we know that his role is not going to be them worrying about him getting buckets. I mean, there's going to be times where they, you know, going to want to take advantage of that, but he's needed for other things. Those are more pressing matters. They've got plenty of offense when it comes to Booker and when it comes to KD and some other pieces, you know, but Aiden's going to have to sacrifice there because he's where what they need the most from him is defense and rebounding flat out. Yep. And 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 it's all about, like, we want to win the championship this year. This isn't even about building towards next year. This is about winning a championship this year. And if he wants to complain about his role and whatever, you can do that after the season. You have to push all of that aside right now. Let's worry about that then. Let's all focus on the here and now. We have Kevin Durant on this team. We have all these other pieces. We already thought we were good. And now we have Kevin Durant. We have an opportunity. We have to take advantage of it while we have this window right now. And I wouldn't even worry about beyond this year. Let's worry about this season right now and see what we can do.
0: We've got 20-something-odd games to go. Get rebounds. Get stops. Get the ball to the guys who do this at an elite level. That's that's the conversation. And you know what? DeAndre could talk to Torrey Craig about that, right? Not, that, not saying that Torrey Craig ever had that type of you know, all, you know, talent that DeAndre Ayton had, or, or some of these amazing wings have had, right? But shoot, you could even talk to your old teammate Mikael Bridges about sacrifice, right? Because now he's a he's going to be a go-to guy in Brooklyn, right? But on this team, he made himself the guy that gets the stops, makes the corner threes, and eventually he developed his way into being what he is and what he's going to be. The first step you have to make is to to be team first. So I hope Aiton does that. Um, But I'm also not sure that that's how it's going to go, at least in the first few weeks. And Brian, I I might be crazy, man. But I I don't think a midseason trade like this ever works out for a championship team. In the first, however many, you know, games they have together, they're going to play like 30 to 40 something games together, com- including regular season and playoffs. This is different because it's Kevin Durant. I understand that. But I don't think a team's ever made a midseason trade of this magnitude and won a championship just like that. In The, snap the,
1: the closest fingers. I can think of is when the Lakers got Pau Gasol. They went to the finals that year, but they lost to the Celtics. But then the next two years, they did win a championship.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. And the Suns, it, for all intents and purposes, they they better get Chris Paul's first ring. <laughs> no, they, this is this is a stacked ass team, man. Um, it is. Not, it, you know, I, I know people
1: talk about like the depth issue. I mean, I just don't see it for this point of the year because they've got their starting five. They've 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 got enough that comes off the bench. I mean, obviously they were deeper before, but. I, I, you know, you're eight deep, maybe nine. I think they've got enough. And like you said, Terrence Ross coming there, I think is a is a huge addition to get a veteran that could shoot as well as he can and can kind of play that two and three. Hopefully he can play good enough defense, but you need another shooter. And, and I think they got him. And I mean, and they snaked him away Josh from Pogue's Dallas. And hope he has been it's,
0: playing better. Like, you know, right. you bring in also with KD, you have TJ Warren, right? So exactly. There, and that's the other piece too. There.
1: If, if T.J. can stay healthy, he's obviously been playing better, you know, in this comeback season with the Nets. So, you know, I think I think they've got enough parts around it. It's and I'm not worried about the fit, other than like we just talked about, like with Aiden. You know, will he do the things that are necessary, you know, to to help this team click and you know perform at its best? Because they got plenty of shooting, they got plenty of leadership on that team. I, I think they're going to rebound the ball well enough. Defense might be a little bit of a question, but I think they can offset that with the offense that they have.
0: No, 100%. I, I would have to agree there. I'm just watching. I'm interested in watching the rest of the way. I really yeah. am. And I know that I'm a broken record at this point, And we've been talking about parity all the time. But the reason the parity is important is because, again, nobody is out of this thing, man. Nobody is out of this thing. There could be teams that are currently sitting in the play in spots or even outside of the playing spots. They go on a five-game winning streak, another team in the playoffs goes on a five-game losing streak. They could be in position for home court. That's how tight this stuff is right now. They can't. In the, West, the, the,
1: the only thing with, with those teams right now that is, if you get on a winning streak, obviously that can go a long way, but you also need help. That's the other thing, too. You need some help from the teams ahead of you, especially the teams like they're in the 7 through 10. You need them to lose. Not not like a ton. Seven but could be
0: seven could be three, though, in like literally the difference of like two days. Like that's Oh, it crazy.
1: can be. But like I said, everybody in front of you, though, they've got to lose as well. You you need some help to move up at this point in the season. And for the teams that are on the outside of the like the playing teams trying to get into the playoffs or the teams that are outside of everything and trying to get to the plan, they got to get up. But man, they need some help. They They need some help as well. It doesn't mean it won't happen. But, you know, we're down to these final, you know, 21 to 24 games of the season for teams. And um, it's tough to move up a lot if you're not getting some help along the way, because you've got to try to jump so many teams.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, those squads I talk about is, you know, in the Eastern Conference, Chicago, Indiana and Orlando, uh, they're all chasing Toronto um, and Washington and Atlanta. They're all you know, teams that are under 500, but they're still in position. Um, and then in the West, as I was saying, man, I mean, Portland and L.A. basically around the same record and they're, you know, chasing after OKC. Same with Utah's chasing OKC, who's under 500 now. Um, Golden State's kind of plummeted a little bit in the absence of Steph Curry. Luckily, you know, he's started on floor activities again here soon and he'll be cleared. I'm sure in the next, you know, coming weeks. But again, like you, you, you look at, you know, you brought up Phoenix. What about, you know, Dallas bringing in Kyrie Irving and, you know, adding him to the Luka Doncic mix, you get Maxi Klebaugh back. There's, you know, some things that could go on in, in Dallas. Like it's, it's, it's up for grabs, man.
1: Well, let me ask you this. Okay. As we're in the stretch run, we've done this exercise before. We'll start with the West. As much parody as there is, which teams do you think could actually make it to the finals?
0: Finals. Denver. Clippers. Suns. Grizzlies. Denver. Denver. Uh, they got to show me a different, a little, a little bit mm-hmm. more restraint, a little bit more. God, I don't want to say maturity.
1: Yeah. You knew I was going to... I agree them. with you. I agree with you. Um, Kings? Not Love ready them. yet. I still,
0: think they're, I still think they're not ready yet, though.
1: Yeah. Oh, um, Mavericks? <sighs> they could. I don't think they have enough. They, they need could. a little bit more shooting to me. Okay. okay. And the Warriors.
0: Still believe in the Warriors. Is it yeah. just the Steph factor? Probably, they're just but, I mean, a little that, too. They're a little too inconsistent uh, for me.
1: Well, when that starting five is together, though, it's still yeah. the best starting five in the league.
0: Sure, sure.
1: So to me, yeah. Nuggets—they're
0: never out of the question. Like, like, like yeah. I, so
1: we're we'll talking see. Nuggets, Clippers, Suns, Warriors—those four.
0: Yeah, and possibly Mavs. Like they'll—they'll they'll be the fifth on yeah. that list.
1: Okay, so in the East. Who are the teams you can believe win in? it all?
0: Yeah. Boston, Milwaukee, Philly.
1: Yep. You're not there if with really Cleveland won yet. Won. Yeah. I would agree. Not I yet. think those I don't, are three. I don't
0: think the Cavs are already yet.
1: Yeah. So to me, those are, those are the seven teams that we're looking at right now. If, and if and you I mean,
0: wanted an eighth, I would say Miami.
1: Yeah. Well, here's the thing, too. When it comes to the East to we'll really look at, there's going to be a team. It's probably going to happen in the second round that expected to get farther and did not. And major things could happen in the off season because the top is so good in the East sure. that it, someone's going to have to lose. I mean, that, that everybody gets to go. Like Out of those know, top
0: four, top. I would pick Cleveland to, leave, to lose in the second round, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect major changes now. If it happened to to Philly or something, then yeah, sure. But Philly's also the team think, I
1: think to look I at. I think
0: Philly. Philly is Philly. I have all the belief in Philly, and I have had that since the beginning of the season. Even when they were stumbling out of the gate, like yeah, even with the uh, James Harden to Houston rumors that are some for some reason going around right now in February, as he's having his best season in the NBA by far in years I mean, 70% taken,
1: chance that he's going to end up back in Houston
0: 70% and shout out to my guy Kelly Eco. that's not like a shot at him or anything like that it's just the the notion talking about yeah. that right now when he leads the league in assists he's really taken a step forward uh, as a leader um you know he's shooting 45% from from the field um he's he's really he's really done a good job of, of playing team basketball this year. And it's, it's as oh. refreshed and, and ready to go as he's looked in a, in a while. And, you know, I, I feel like, you know, talking about what's next is, is kind of disrespectful to what he's doing right now.
1: Well, you want to talk about, you know, players, you know, making sacrifices for the betterment of the team. Look at what James Harden has done. Look at what Tyrese Maxey has done. I mean, Maxie was a guy in the up. Coaching staff asked him, "Please come off the bench. That's yep. where you're going to fit this team in the best role. That's what he's done." And look Get at They're
0: Harden. bringing in Jalen McDaniels off the bench, man. That's a great pickup for them. Late, I think it is too it, wing. It, it,
1: it helped them in a lot of ways too, um, money wise as well, because it got them under the the tax. You know, they lost. Thiebel. But all he did yeah. was go to Portland and hit four threes in his first game. You know, <laughs> it's like, oh, I can't shoot. Watch this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you knew he was.
0: You knew he was jacked up for that game. Same with Cam Everybody Reddish. Was, Cam, Ra- Cam Reddish yeah. wanted to show something too in Portland.
1: <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think it was necessarily a defense thing. I mean, I think a lot of people get jazzed to play the Lakers, but Portland could not miss that night. Well, and I don't think the Lakers are playing say, horrible hey, defense. Portland could not miss.
0: Quick plug on that basketballnews.com, Nakias Duncan, actually looked into that particular game itself, and the article was titled Luck or Lack. So make sure to read that if you were tuned into that game too. But yeah, no, I mean, Philly, I just love the depth that they have. I think that there's a good energy about them. Um, D'Anthony Melton, again, a huge pickup. P.J. Tucker, uh, you've gotten some really good minutes from Tobias Harris this year. Uh, there's just a good feeling, I think, right now, man. Um, you know, you bring in – he had, he didn't do much with, with the Heat, and he wasn't really uh, – there weren't many fans in Miami's organization of Dwayne this year, <laughs> to put it lightly. But he's someone that's capable of coming in and giving you 10 minutes, 10 to 12 minutes uh, uh, to give Joel Bede a, a rest. Um, and you still have, you know, for the small ball – you still have a guy like Montrez Harrell in that position. Uh, again, off the bench, uh, George Niang uh, is just a, a gunner, man, a gunner from deep, and he can knock them down. He can also put it on the floor, too, when need be. So they've got a good roster, man. And, and again, I could do this for a lot of teams uh, on this side of the ball and on this side of the, the conference. Like, you could go through Milwaukee. Like, I could talk about Joe Ingles up and down if I wanted to. Right? Giannis is back, even though he's got the wrist injury. Hopefully, that's okay. Brooke Lopez playing out of his mind. Jay Crowder just signed up with that team. Traded in that deal with Phoenix and Brooklyn, whatever three-way deal it was. Like, that's a huge pickup. Boston. Very, very minor moves around the edges, but Mike Muscala, a guy who can stretch the floor, get you some boards, move the basketball. Can we talk about Sam Hauser and what he's done the last few games in stepping up for Jalen Brown, who has had a broken face? <laughs> I don't know if you saw that game the other night against Milwaukee. Boston barely you know, had any of their guys healthy. And they went to Milwaukee and, and took that thing in overtime. And man, was, you know, Hauser again, like, he has had some money shots as of late. And he he's really stepped up for them in a big way. There's there's just a lot of competition, man. There's a lot of competition in the east, out west. Again, I'm seeing the nuggets in Cleveland here on a Thursday night as we record this in the afternoon. Memphis is still good. Sacramento has really good vibes, the Beam team. Clippers, we just talked about them. There's a lot of talent, man. I I think, you know, if we're looking at teams that could could make a potential surge, you know, I like Miami. I've always liked Miami. Uh this isn't in relation to the Kevin Love signing. I just think that they're prime because they're going to have some healthy uh pieces and parts um you know i i feel like OKC they've had their stretches of you know ups and downs but when they're healthy they're also a really good team maybe they get up into that 6-7 range but again a lot of these teams man a lot of these teams are close 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 bring it ascending up the ladder.
1: We'll see. I mean, it's, it's, we got this final stretch and I think it's going to be a breakneck pace and be curious to see, you know, which teams can actually fight through some of the stuff, which teams can finally put it together. I mean, the wizards have been playing better as of late. I think the Raptors have been playing a little bit better as of late. You know, the Pacers have fallen off. The bulls have fallen off. Um, you know, Can the Pelicans survive without Zion now that he's still going to be gone for a while longer as he continues to deal with his hamstring injury?
0: Re-aggravated it, yep.
1: Yep. When are the Warriors, are they going to be able to put it together, you know, and kind of put together a a run that we've expected there? I I think even Oklahoma City and seeing this young cast, you know, behind Shea, how well he's played this year. Can they continue to play as well as they have and actually get into the play-in tournament? You know, because right now they are the 10th seed and they're, they're a tough team to play. They really, really are. So I think there's a, there's a lot of stories, especially with the bottom half teams, like who's actually going to get in and who is not going to get in.
0: 100%, man, 100%. Brian, it was a hell of a time catching up with you, my guy. Uh, hopefully you're feeling better and you're going to enjoy your upcoming trips here, uh, not only this weekend, but also uh, in a couple weeks as I'll be enjoying my conference tournaments. Good luck to the ladies at Athletes Unlimited. Their season starts today. Uh, A lot of WNBA players over there. Um, Got the NBA season resuming. Uh, March Madness is around the corner. I cannot wait. It's my favorite time of year because March is the best month. Got a lot of things going on. But we'll wait for that time to come. Before I start talking about the month of March, I do it every year on Keeping It at 94. So make sure to tune in there. But just wanted to say you can find us on Twitter. I am at Spin Davies. He is at Brian Fritz. I'm on Instagram at Spin Davies. He is on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Do the same for the Dunker Spot. Do the same for the rematch with the Tom Thomas. Do the same for the Rex Chapman Show with Josh Hopkins. Do the same for Clips and Drew. Do the same for the Alex Kennedy podcast. And, of course, Dishes and Dimes with the Ladies. All that good stuff. Leave us a comment. Subscribe, rate, review, interact with us on our social channels. Quick, quick plug. I did a lot of writing lately. I've done a lot of writing lately. Uh, I did a column on the All-Star Game because I wanted to. Um, that's on basketballnews.com. I did a one-on-one interview with Dominic Barlow. He's the first overtime elite alum to play in the NBA. It's a huge trailblazing moment for him. So I talked to Dom one-on-one when he was in Cleveland with the Spurs. Uh, I talked to Greg Popovich. I talked to Ryan Gomes, uh, his coach down in Atlanta. Uh, So be sure to check that one out. And then one that dropped on Thursday, what we were just talking about on this podcast, parody. There's a lot of it. Most in 40 years. So that's a pretty crazy number. Uh, I didn't break that down by numbers. I talked to people. I talked to J.B. Bickerstaff. I talked to Eric Spolstra. I talked to all kinds of players and coaches about this phenomenon. So um, if you could, please check that out. And again, if you like any of these stories, let us know. Look at the rest of our film breakdowns. We've got a lot of stuff coming on basketballnews.com. Go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash basketballnews, our our Instagram, download our app, all of that good stuff. I know it's a very long-winded rap, but I wanted to definitely uh, plug our stuff because we have some amazing work and an amazing staff behind it and show all of them love. Very, very please, please, please. So until next podcast, I'll bid you adieu. Everybody enjoy the second half of the season.